Hello, and welcome to Small Black Birds. I'm AJ, and in this episode, you will hear stories about Olympic athletes who earn the right to be recognized as champions in their sport and refuse to be silenced for taking a stand against hate and discrimination. In early 2020, the International Olympic Committee changed its rules to prohibit athletes from raising their fists or taking a knee while standing on the podium to receive their Olympic medals. Athletes in violation of Rule 50, as it is known, could face serious punishment like having their winning results disqualified or be stripped of their medal. Athletes who feel compelled to use their moment on the world stage to take a stand against social injustice should be praised for their selflessness and courage, not punished for expressing themselves. Rather than stifle free speech and peaceful protest, the Olympic Committee should eliminate Rule 50 and amplify the voices of these world-class athletes. So there's now a very pressing demand for sport to embed human rights, not only of the athletes, but of everyone who is involved in the delivery of sport. And in many ways, there's been a real problem that the legacy of these mega sporting events has not lived up to the very high rhetoric which motivates cities and countries to host these events in the first place. And the International Olympic Committee, that if they want to maintain their social license and actually be seen as a force for good, then they are going to have to respect the human rights of everyone who's affected by sport, including the athletes. Unless you follow track and field sports closely, you might not recognize the name Gwen Berry, but she's very good at what she does. At an event in 2018, she threw a hammer weighing almost 9 pounds over 255 feet, farther than any other American woman in history. And in 2019, she took home the gold medal in the same event at the Pan Am Games, the largest competition before the next Olympics. As she stood on the podium during the medal ceremony, with the star-spangled banner playing in the background, Barry silently bowed her head and raised her fist in the air. For that simple but powerful act, the U.S. Olympic Committee banned her from competing for 12 months, saying she had violated rules against political protests at major international sporting events. They reprimanded me for taking a stance on the podium in 2019 at the Pan American Games. During that time, I felt that it was right for me to sacrifice my medal and my platform to speak out on racial injustice and the systematic oppression. For Barry, winning the gold medal was not just a triumph of her athletic achievements, but recognition of a long and difficult journey that began nearly 30 years ago in her hometown of Ferguson, Missouri. Standing on that podium, she thought about her father, an Iraq War veteran, and his family who raised her in a small home with 12 other people. She thought about her high school coaches who encouraged her to change sports and give the hammer toss a try. She thought about the baby that she had at 15 and how it forced her to grow up at an early age. And she thought about Michael Brown, an 18-year-old high school graduate who was gunned down by a Ferguson police officer in 2014. Originally, I am from St. Louis, Missouri, born and raised, so the Mike Brown situation does hit home for me. He was killed literally in the same town I was raised. We probably went to the same parties, the same schools, the same quip trip, like everything. Since the police killing of George Floyd, 
Many athletes previously reluctant to speak about their own fears, frustrations, and anger are stepping up and lending their voices to the fight for justice. The NBA's Milwaukee Bucks refused to take the court for a basketball game to call attention to the police shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin of an unarmed black man seven times in the back. Their refusal to play brought the sports world to a halt for nearly three days and inspired athletes around the world, including two-time U.S. Open winner Naomi Osaka, who withdrew from a tennis tournament in protest of police violence. The killing of George Floyd had a profound impact on Christian Taylor, the reigning two-time triple jump champion who brought home the gold medal for America at both the London and Rio Summer Olympics. Taylor says he received counseling to help work through his grief over Floyd's death and is now in a better place because of it. He also partnered with other track and field athletes to launch the Athletics Association, a group working to give Olympic athletes a voice at the table with the IOC. The group already scored a major victory when it helped push the 2020 Tokyo Games to 2021 over concerns about the health of athletes competing during a global pandemic. Taylor has also been among the leading critics of Rule 50. In the, the writing of Rule 50, it specifies the motion of a fist, which for me actually targets a special group. If you're going to say no protest, the language, the writing is, is very important. But if you are specifying the fist, then, you know, you're actually tailoring it to a certain group. And this is discrimination. Sports have the power to capture the world's attention, and when athletes speak out, people listen. But the Olympics Rule 50 undermines that power, forcing athletes to stay silent at a time when the world is watching and when they want to use that moment not for self-glory, but to call for unity against oppression. Be hushed in the press conferences, if we're to be hushed at the medal stand, when do we have the opportunity to speak on something? The Olympics, you have the entire world looking at you for, for a small moment. It's very difficult that you don't capitalize on this, on this podium moment. The Olympics has a history of suppressing protest. In 1968, after John Carlos and Tommy Smith stood on the medal podium in Mexico City and famously thrust their gloved fists into the sky, the IOC added rules to discourage athletes from taking a similar stand, including prohibiting racial propaganda and the recent revisions to Rule 50 that specifically bans athletes from raising a fist or taking a knee. The IOC loves to talk about how the games transcend politics, but the reality is something very different. Politics at the Olympics is unavoidable, as athletes are required to march into the opening ceremonies under national flags and receive their medals while national anthems are played. The IOC even boasted of the power and influence of sport on world affairs when it attempted to ease tensions on the Korean Peninsula by announcing that South and North Korea would field a unified team in 2018. Brendan Schwab, executive director of the World Players Association, a group working on behalf of players' rights, says it's impossible to separate politics from the games. What I think is unquestionably political is the nature of the awards ceremony at the Olympic Games. It takes on the nature of what we could call a forced ceremony. And the question we could ask ourselves, and this is where it becomes a, a very strict violation of someone's rights. If you're an athlete, which is renowned at home for standing up for human rights and against injustice and uh, against a state, which is seen to be uh, contrary to those types of things, and you happen to succeed as an athlete, why is it that when you are to be recognised as, as a champion, that you are obliged to stand to attention before the national flag and the national anthem. Now, for people that have made commitments at home to challenge what that can represent, 
that misrepresents what the athlete is trying to communicate, that is forcing the athlete to make a physical statement which can be inconsistent, horribly inconsistent with that, that person's belief system and the way that person is regarded by their community and other people who share similar beliefs. So the, the award ceremony is in itself a challenging process and I think we need to really take this into account when we, we look at the context of Rule 50. The idea that the Olympics are staged in a bubble where problems don't exist and there is universal harmony is immediately betrayed by anyone watching the games on TV. Every Olympic pregame show features athletes sharing emotional stories about overcoming circumstances of poverty and hardship to triumphantly arrive at this moment. The Olympics profits off these powerful personal stories, so it makes no sense why they would want to muzzle athletes when it's their time in the spotlight. There's a whole generation of athletes that are looking at this moment and wondering if we are going to cherish them as human beings or continue to put them in this box. Are we going to continue to ignore the fact that all the world over, there are issues that need to be addressed and that we as athletes are essentially global ambassadors who can bring people together, sure, but can also use that platform to raise awareness. That was Tiana Madison Bartoletta, a two-time Olympian and three-time gold medalist. She won her first gold medal as part of America's record-setting women's 4x100-meter relay team at the 2012 Olympics in London, and she is now preparing for the Games in Tokyo. But her success on the track is only part of her story. She is also someone who has battled depression, homelessness, and was in an abusive relationship. She is also the most successful athlete to come out of Illyria, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland, where in 2014, a police officer shot and killed a 12-year-old black child for playing with a toy gun. For Madison Bartoletta, reading Rule 50 and being told that she can't put a fist in the air to protest against racial injustice is unacceptable. Are you serious? It clearly read to me, like, if you are Black and you are planning to do anything to protest or demonstrate racial inequality, we are talking to you and you are in breach. And it does not matter that you've had to overcome all of these things that the entire world is now exposed to that African-Americans and African-American athletes go through. But not only do they not care that you've achieved and overcome all of those things and that you made it to the podium. If you do that, you are still going to be punished. It does not matter. And for kneeling or raising a fist to be put in the same category as racial propaganda is offensive. How is me arguing or demonstrating that my life should be treated equally propaganda? And so it's very offensive. And it was it was a slap in the face, honestly, because we have been making so many strides. We're starting to unionize. We're starting to use our voice. We've gotten out of this shut up and dribble box. We've started to make noise, started to really embrace the fact that we aren't just athletes. The Olympics Rule 50 has long been outdated, and today, amid widespread protest in sport and everywhere else, it's downright archaic. The moment is ripe for the Olympics to ditch restrictive rules that ban free speech and peaceful protest, and instead create safe spaces for athletes who want to use their moment while the world is watching to inspire social change. The Olympics have ways of making the world a better place, and it's time that the games respect that athletes do too. Every time I've been on the podium, I reflect on the entire journey to that point and all the people that got me there and everything that I had to overcome.
let's say I'm on the podium, Tokyo 2021. This now is part of that journey, this fight to be heard, run-ins with the police where I wasn't sure I was going to make it back alive, going for a run in my neighborhood where I'm not sure that I'm going to be profiled incorrectly by a neighbor. And I'm on the podium and I've overcome all of that. And I imagine that in that moment, I might feel the need to say, I need you to see me. I need you to see me, not just as the world's best long jumper, but as this human that overcame all of this unnecessary BS to get to this point. And if that looks like raising a fist, I don't see a problem with that. I don't understand why that would be viewed as such a threat. That is me saying I am here within this system, thriving in a world that isn't all that friendly towards me. And instead of, you know, being bitter or angry or violent, I am just giving you a nod that you can do it too. I want you to see me and all the stuff that I have to go through to get to this point. Because what ultimately happens is you see the gold medal, you see me, you think she's a good athlete. And that's the end of the story. But that is not the end of the story. That's none of our stories. And it's just, it's selling me short to put myself in that box in that moment. And that's why it's so important. That podium represents everything that you've worked for to that point. And then to get to that point and someone tells you how you have to behave, you are stripped of your personal story in that moment. And the fact that I don't even have the option to share that story in whatever little way I can in the few minutes that I'm up there, that is part of the reason why Rule 50 feels very much tone deaf these days and why a lot more people are looking at it as something that needs to be revisited. IOC announced its revisions to Rule 50 before the 2020 Tokyo Olympics had been pushed back to 2021 due to the global pandemic. With this extra time, athletes and members of the Olympic Committee are mobilizing to end Rule 50 ahead of the 2021 Summer Games. If you want to know how you can support these efforts, please check out the groups mentioned in this episode. Want to protect your right to protest? Go to www.rightsanddissent.org today. I would also like to thank Morgan Sports Law for their excellent two-part podcast about Rule 50 that is available at www.morgansl.com. Have questions or comments? Please send them to smallblackbirdspodcast at gmail.com. Stay safe and talk with you soon. They tell me over my up in the sky for me when I die I'm gonna get my share of what's mine The harder they come, the harder they'll fall
forces that try to keep me down Try to drive me underground Though they think they've got the battle won I say forgive them love 